You're listening to ASD Warrior, a podcast about the journey of getting your PhD in your child on the spectrum. With over a decade of success and challenges, it's time to share and support all of you ASD Warriors. Hosted by your always passionate and wildly intense ASD Warrior teacher, child advocate, and mom, Kathy Galbraith Willoughby. Today on ASD Warrior, we're going to talk about school. What happened last year for us on our first year of a blended homeschool program, what I learned, how it better prepared me for what's going on in distance learning, and the great opportunities you're going to have to see things in your kids. So stay tuned. Homeschooling. I want to talk about homeschooling today, partly because it's something that I decided to do last year because of some of the struggles that we've had in a mainstream environment with Nathan through his academic career. And also, I think that it's so relevant in some of the things that I learned, some of the things that I had to really figure out um, in the midst of um, a crazy year. And I'm hoping that from these conversations and these stories that I might be able to share that this next year of transition of distance learning and really, to be honest, parents playing a much more of a teacher role than maybe they ever have been or have in the past. Um, I think this is going to be a very relevant topic. I'm going to take it back a little bit. You know, I obviously, uh, Nathan is starting high school next year. And so we've had many, many years of school um, and trying to figure out where he needed to land, what was the best environment and, and how do we continue to facilitate learning? And a lot of that journey about trying to figure out what was best for Nathan really allowed us to see those strengths, those weaknesses, those gaps that we just needed to identify um, and figure out how we can as parents, teachers, therapists, you know, do the most that we can for, for our child. But ultimately it always comes down to the parents and whether or not you have ever played a role, a real significant role in the teaching aspect, you're probably facing that now. Um, with our distance learning and, and going forward, not really knowing what that's going to look like in the future and how soon we're going to maybe get back to air quotes normal and what that really looks like. So I want to take it back a little bit because it's very important, I think, to, to know that we did almost everything that you can think of. You know, once Nathan was diagnosed, we had therapy in the house. I had, you know, more people than I ever thought possible in my house doing music, play therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, anything you can imagine, and ABA. And then, of course, when he turns three, you have that option of going to school and, and doing more at home or whatever was going to fit with your lifestyle. Of course, I'm working full time. My ex-husband is working full time. We're trying to figure out how do we do this. We made some life changes and my ex-husband went part time, but we still had to work. And so looking at the school option was, we thought, a good thing for him. And so he went to this preschool's program for kids on the spectrum, which I'm sure a lot of um, you out there have that same type of program and options to choose. And yes, I liked it. I think it got him more used to school and a backpack and lunch and all these different things. And, and part of that building a certain level of compliance with 
just the school itself and how it works, right? And sitting down for a significant amount of time, which, you know, was a big deal. And so we did that for a while. I remember them telling me when he was five that they never thought that he'd be able to be mainstream in kindergarten, which was a tough pill to swallow. And I certainly didn't believe it. Um, and that will be something that is is definitely a theme through most of my podcasts is, you know, I didn't live in la la land and I certainly am objective when I need to be certainly probably more subjective at times. And there's also an enabling piece that comes with parenting as we try to look at and really see our kids. And we have to really recognize that. But, you know, I, I just, I couldn't believe that they would say that about my son. Right. And, and again, when we get the diagnosis, we still have problems even believing that and then the guilt and, you know, everything that comes along this, this journey that we experience um, it was very hard for me to hear that about kindergarten. So I decided, okay, you know, why don't we do this? I mean, he wasn't potty trained at that time. So, you know, we're ending this year. He's going to turn five in the summer. I'm thinking maybe kindergarten. He wasn't potty trained. Um, and we, we were struggle busing and uh, about, you know, the last, you know, number two was hard. <laughs> so um, it's, it was something that, you know, kind of fell in line and made sense for us maybe not to look at kindergarten, but I certainly didn't want to leave him in the same situation in a preschool setting at the school anymore. And so we decided to pull him out and he went to a private Christian pre preschool, which was a blessing, um, such a blessing. And um, it really made a difference for him. I was very, very involved. And at this point, I had opened up my own consulting firm and it had been for a while. And so it allowed me to be in the classroom uh, with him a little bit more, which helped significantly and again, gave me that insight to kind of really seeing him. Um, and also, you know, the positive thing is, is I was helping educate the teachers as well as the other kids. So we did this. We, you know, he finally was ready for kindergarten. They kept saying, you know, he needs to go to an SDC kindergarten. We went and visited that and we're like, this doesn't work for him. It's way too chaotic. Uh, there's too much sensory going on. There's too many outbursts. And, you know, partly what really impacted Nathan so much was just so much noise, not just noise in itself, but sensory noise. And so you look at some of these environments and, you know, the kids would come up, they get, you know, they have no space issues. They're right in their face. They're touching, they're pushing, they're yelling. And it was like, this isn't going to work for him. I mean, and not to say that he didn't do his own of that too. Right. And so it's kind of that quandary. I think that we're in constantly in that juggling of like, Oh, I don't even know how to do this. You know? So regardless, we, we put him through regular kindergarten. It was a sensory nightmare. By the time he was six, he started kindergarten you know, we got him through it. Academically, he was fine. He didn't cope well, right? We had kids in his face. He ended up, you know, hitting someone over the head with a book because the kid was literally taunting him. And, you know, the, the teachers don't see that. But I saw it because I was in class with him. And, of course, Nathan reacted too much because he's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm done, right? Um, and that, you know, obviously the immaturity of just being six, and then having that and having sensory issues. I mean, it's just, it's the worst combination. And, and so it put us in a couple of situations in kindergarten, enough to really have us look at, do we want to put him in regular first grade? We know we didn't want SDC. Okay, the SDC program was, was not what we wanted. And they had this program at one of the other schools that was just for kids on the spectrum. And we thought, perfect. We went there. 
did first and second grade and still really struggled with the sensory overload, the sensory, you know, immaturity, the inability to cope um, with transitions and different things. And they're trying to set it up and get these kids ready to be fully mainstreamed. So this isn't working, you know, it wasn't great. It, 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 he learned and he did great things, but there was still this, when you go to those IEP meetings and you sit down with the teachers and they're just kind of like shaking their head, like, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And the whole time I'm like, what? It's not academics. It's the environment. And yet there's a piece of this that you just can't control the environment, right? So we get through second grade. They actually changed the program and made it a, just a straight SDC class. And so it wasn't just kids on the spectrum. It was a lot of other disabilities, good and bad. At that point, I'm just like, I, I can't. I can't put him in that situation. And I think he might be ready to go mainstreams if we could get some supports like, and, you know, asking the world, of course we will. And so we decided to take him to a charter school and it was a brand new charter school. And, you know, they just wanted every kid that they could get their hands on. And they were just over and above doing everything that they needed and, and, and could do. And so it really seemed like for a couple of years, it was great. You know, we, we really got to know the school. We got to know some of the other parents. We got to know some of the other kids. We felt safe. Um, it was an environment where they really got to know him and they knew kind of how to look out for him, you know, in his stimming breaks and different things. And, but, you know, once he got to seventh grade is when everything changed. And, and it probably does a lot in seventh grade change for a lot of these kids. You know, it really becomes more of a, um, a strong academics and a strong, you know, test taking and writing and different things that, you know, for my son, he struggled with. He needed to be pulled out to take tests. Sometimes it took three and four days to take a test. And it wasn't because he didn't know how to do it. He couldn't focus like it was too much going on and all these different scenarios. And so what ended up happening many times I would hear him say, and it was so disappointing because once he really was aware of grades was not a good thing. It became an obsessive thing of like, I need to get better grades. I need to get better grades. I don't understand why I'm not doing good. I'm not smart. And it was just like this insecurity domino thing that was happening. And I couldn't even get ahead of it. I couldn't block and tackle it. It was just in full swing. And so there was a couple of times that I just remember him saying to me, gosh, you know, I'm trying so hard and all I get is incomplete. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's fine. We'll just retake the test. Well, this school would have him retake the test and retake the test over and over again. We, we didn't, they didn't do any accommodations at first of, you know, asking him two or three questions instead of 14. And it takes him four days and then he misses everything in class because you keep pulling him out. I mean, it was like that year in seventh grade, I had six IEPs in a nine month period. I was about to go insane. And all the time he keeps saying this. And then there was one night that just got me. And I hear him crying in his room. And I go in there and I'm like, oh my God, baby, what's wrong? I mean, what, what's going on? You know, we're all about to go to bed. We've all brushed our teeth, you know, and I hear him crying. And he's like, I'm trying. I'm trying my hardest. I'm, I'm doing my best work. And it's not enough. I keep getting incompletes. I'm not smart. And I, I don't, I can't do this. And of course I go into, you know, mom warrior and I'm like, oh no, don't, don't even worry about it. I got you. We we're going to figure it out. I, I don't want you to worry about grades. I just want you to try your best. I want you to learn. It's about learning. It's not about grades. It's about you feeling confident 
And I'm saying that to him, you know, and I'm like hugging him and I give him a big kiss and he's, you know, finally about to go to sleep. And I go into my room with my husband and I said, I, I don't know what to do. Like whatever is going on right now is not working. If it's the school, if it's, I'm not as involved. Um, I don't know. I, I can't get my arms wrapped around it because, you know, at the time this is all going on, I'm working you know, a more than full-time job. You know, I'm a regional director for a healthcare organization overseeing recruitment and for Northern California, which kept me on the road a lot and, you know, doing my best to come home, check in, how did homework go? A lot of times my parents, my mom especially was doing homework with him. And, you know, for the most part up to this point, we were kind of band-aiding it, right? Like, was he excelling? Probably not. Was he as confident as he needed to be? No. And yet your world is spinning like a lot of ours are just spinning. The plates are going. Everything's moving really fast. And then things started to happen and I needed to pay attention because they were big things. My position was eliminated and changed, changed so significantly that it didn't make sense for me to do that job anymore. And at the same time, this was all going on. And I thought, well, maybe I can just make it work at work, you know, because I've always been the primary breadwinner. I was always the one that had to take care of everybody. You know, this me even contemplating not working or at least not doing something that, you know, had a significant salary that I was used to. And then all of a sudden this is going on. My parents are struggling. I mean, they're getting older and health and all that kind of stuff. And they live in a tri-level house. They needed some help financially from me because everything was tight. They retired too early. So I, I had the burden of making sure I could give them something and, and help take care of them. They helped me by taking care of Nathan. I had a child in college. I had another child that was struggling and living on her own, but always, you know, every once in a while needed a little bit of help. So, you know, you, you start to kind of go, oh my gosh, you know, but I'm contemplating like, this isn't working like for my son. I, I, I can't keep doing this. So I had to talk with my husband, my husband now that just got married, you know, about a year ago. And um, I said, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. And he's like, I, I don't think you can. This isn't working for him. And to hear you crying when you come to bed and we sit and talk and hear him crying in there and everybody's running around like chickens with their head cut off and we're all trying to do different things. And you know, that stress brought about me being probably very impatient sometimes with him. And I didn't obviously ever mean to, but we all do. Right. And we all have our days. And sometimes I was quite sassy and, you know, maybe even mean like, oh, my gosh, you know, figure this out. And you catch yourself, you know, and you look at yourself afterwards and you go, whoa, you know, slow that roll down. And at the same time, he needed me more because like I will echo in probably every podcast that I do. It's about knowing your child. I know that kid. I know, know, know him. I know his heart. I know his mind. Um, I know how he thinks. I know when he gets stuck, why he gets stuck, right? Like, is it he doesn't have a visual? He doesn't understand that word. Where do we need to go? How do I need to get him there so that he can feel it, know it, and own it, right? But I didn't have that kind of time. You know, I've got 20 employees all around Northern California. I'm, I'm driving everywhere, sometimes five or six hours a day in the car. I mean, this is, it's not working. So I decided to stop working. 
but it really became even more so when I had taken a week off. You know those those times that you take a week of vacation or you take two or three days and you're around your child and it's it's those clarity moments that you have and you go, gosh, you know, he's striving right now. You know, we're having fun, we're hanging out, we're connecting, he's not stimming as much, he's not having any behaviors or outbreaks or you know, he's really jiving with me. He wants to hang out with me and I get him. Like It needs to be me. Now, I know not everyone can do that, right? But it was something that I had the opportunity to do and we made some lifestyle changes and we did it. So I homeschooled him last year. Now, mind you, most people that really know me, they know the executive, Kathy, the career person, you know, had this look on their face like, whoa, how's that going to go down? How's she going to be able to do that? Not because I wasn't smart enough, but because I move pretty quick. I talk pretty fast. I go, 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 and I'm intense. And sometimes that is good for a child on the spectrum in moments. And sometimes it's not. Great thing is, is Nathan will usually tell me when it's not. And so I've also learned myself what he needs more from me. So anyways, we, we moved. We moved my parents. Um, I needed to get them in a situation where they didn't need me so much. I moved them. We moved where my um, husband was trying to sell his house because we had bought another house, had to sell that house. We'd just been in a year. I mean, we're talking about lots of juggling, lots of change, lots of things going on, right? Good stuff. And it was all worth it. This year that I spent with him, literally, if I could have high-fived myself every day, it was happening. because. I was right, right? And not all the time that I sat in these IEPs and tried to get these teachers, and especially that last year of having six in one year, of like trying to get them to see he's not lazy. He, he does want to be successful. That's why he's crying himself to sleep at night. Do you guys not get that? Now, at the same time, I think they did care and they wanted to, but they have a limited scope of knowledge of autism, right? Or ASD spectrum. And every one of our kids is different, very different. And we have to get to a place where as we walk into the room in those IEPs or there's meetings with the teachers that we are walking in as the Joan of Arc. And that is my character. It's, you know, I got this. I know him. Let me tell you what is going to help you do your job better for my child. And for them to have the respect of it. Right. And, and we'll get there. Right. That's. That's something that is a very individual thing and it comes with every teacher in person. But I'm hoping as we become more knowledgeable, as we learn from each other in these podcasts and different conferences and wherever it is that you get your information and you see your child better, that we can educate teachers and therapists just as much as they're trying to help and educate us and our kids. So that year was tough. This year was so different. I can't even tell you. It was, first of all, he wasn't spending nine hours a day between homework and school in school mode and crying and stressed and irritated and having to stim every 10 minutes because he's so overwhelmed. We got school done two or three hours at the most. He went to Resource Center and actually took classes because it was a blended program, which was brilliant for him. It's like going to college. He go to math for two hours. We come home, have lunch. We do a few things. Next day, he had science, science for an hour and a half and this, that and the other. And so it just kind of it worked like college and it worked brilliantly for him because he knew that he would go there for this amount of time. It's in class. He's studying. I pick him up. 
we come home and we do the work, right? And the work was not that difficult. And we got it done so fast. And at first I was thinking to myself, I think I'm slacking. I think I'm not doing enough. Like, how come he just gets it? I mean, like, we're doing algebra. He gets it. He teaches me. And if we both don't know it, we went on YouTube and figured it out and then laughed at each other like, oh, so easy. Dang it. You know? So it ended up being a brilliant year. It ended up being a year where he felt confident and he started to build so much more confidence than he's ever had. You know, because that's always been my want, right? Is to have him, any of our kids on the spectrum, walk in, they know what they're good at. I mean, just like we do sometimes, even though sometimes we probably don't know as much as we should. Um, but he knows he's so good at this and he feels confident and he wants to teach and he wants to help. And some of the other stuff that, you know, like writing and language and even different things, there's, there's pockets that our kids struggle with, right? Nathan got math and science real good. It's an exact thing. It kind of works every time. They're not asking for a different, you know, description and what have you, like they do in language arts, but he's getting language arts. He's getting comprehension. He's trying, he's starting to look at something that is written as to why did they write it and what do they want me to feel, see, and hear. We're getting there. So this year was just, and I went in like I did every other year with the teachers and explained to them him. Because like all of us, you know, we walk in those IEPs, we start the near year off with a teacher. I mean, and if we could, and we thought it would make a difference, we'd bring them Starbucks every day. All the time, making them feel good, want to work harder for a kid, right? And I think at first you just want them to be best friends with you and da 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 da. And you realize that sometimes that always doesn't work. Um, and you go around, you know, just trying to give them a glimpse because you just want them to help more, right? And it, it doesn't mean hours and hours, but it means at moments in time when they see, when they remember that he's not being lazy. They remember that he wants to be successful. They remember that he's overwhelmed sensory-wise a lot of the time. And that maybe he just needs a little bit more time to answer the question. Maybe he needs a little bit more on the front end before the discussion in class so that he feels a part of it. All of these things that we want to tell them, right? These teachers at this school did it. And no problem doing it. And they saw him. They saw his light. They saw his talent. They saw his heart right from the beginning. And they just went after it. And it was so wonderful to see. And it helped me so much because in a blended program, he's still going to school, which I've always wanted, right? But it's two, maybe three hours a day. And it's not every day of the week, right? And He's coming home. We're filling up. He's taking tests at school. He didn't need to be pulled out anymore because he could hide, he could focus knowing he's only going to be there for two hours. Right. It wasn't like the overwhelming that I think our kids get of like it's eight hours or six hours at school. I got to manage this all day long. And so I think it makes even the beginning of the day and times after they eat and they get refueled. And even after they have some OT or something during the day, it's still too much. For them to learn. And so it's kind of managing expectations with teachers, with your kids, if you're still in that kind of setup, you know, having them pulled out and, and are they being pulled out in a quiet environment or is it just chaos? It's just a different room. I mean, it's really having an understanding of what that looks like. And I think at some point we're going to have to change. 
the way that we look at educating these brilliant minds. It has to be different because of the sensory. It really does. Um, and I don't know what that looks like. And, and hopefully there's enough people that sometimes listen to this and you start thinking and we maybe we noodle on it together. Or maybe it's something you do on your own. Um, but it's something that we all need to start talking about because this homeschooling worked because it was blended. It was like college. It was supported. It was they saw him and his brilliance and really helped him work on it. I, I will give you an example. It was just, it was such a blessing this year, the teachers that we had. And we did have our um, special ed teacher. He had tutoring and he also had speech and they were all brilliant, just absolutely brilliant with him. But there was one teacher that just noticed something about him. And she was on the first day trying so hard because we were blessed to actually have her do our intake when we were actually signing up and we were talking about classes and different things. And we got her and it was a fluke because our main teacher wasn't there that day and we were getting close to the wire and we had to get things done. And of course, I thought I had already done it, had not. So went in and met her and, you know, he just, he started talking and I remember him out of the blue, he just sat there and he goes, you know, I have autism and I was diagnosed when I was three, almost three, I was a little over two. And um, here's what it does to me. And he starts telling her how it affects him and, and what he sometimes needs to do and why. And I'm blown away because I've never even heard him say this, right? You know, it's those moments of like, oh, wonder this just happened. I mean, you know, I know he's absolutely brilliant and incredible, but sometimes those moments I'm just like, whoosh, good stuff, right? So he's telling her this and she sees him. Like she sees him and his heart and you know, he tells her, he goes, I'm really looking forward to seeing you at, uh, at school. And I'm looking forward to this new year at school. And, you know, and, and she just kind of was in love with him. And then we decided to have him take science, not knowing that he was going to be her science teacher. Because at first I was going to teach science just at home. Because you always had the choice of either taking center classes or doing it all at home. I thought I could do science, but clearly that's not my bucket. So we learned that the, the quick way and the hard way. So we signed him up for, for her class. And so she was thrilled absolutely thrilled he was in there. And on the first day, I kind of mirrored just to kind of see how he did. And, you know, just wanting to be um, a little bit of a helicopter parent, but, you know, making sure that I obviously was supporting him enough and, and how I could always gap fill for the teachers as well. And that day she asked all the boys to kind of come over and introduce themselves. And they started talking to him and it was great. And I was like, this is wonderful. And they work really, really hard at trying to integrate and, and, teach the other kids to, to try a little bit different, you know, that they're smart, they're, they want to be social. And, you know, why don't we try to figure out how, you know, we can get the most out of them. So that turned into her noticing how smart he was with science, like he just got it. He didn't have to sit and read, he didn't have to fill things out. He was actually filling in some of the classmates when they didn't understand because he had such a good understanding of it. At first they were doing physics and they were, you know, making roller coasters on the computer and they were talking about velocity and all these different things. And she's like, you know what, can he come in and help tutor someone that I have in ninth grade? Cause they're doing the same curriculum and he can come in and actually tutor her and kind of be my assistant. And I was like, yeah, that, is great. But why do you think that he would be good at that? And she's like, well, the other day I needed help and he started running around helping people and he loved being what I was calling my assistant. And I just saw him so proud. 
and confident and, you know, really wanting to help other people. And it was just his way of kind of fitting in. And so now, mind you, he's in eighth grade. She's asking him to tutor somebody in ninth grade. Of course, now they're best friends. She's an absolute angel and I adore her. But it was he got up early every morning and he's not an early person to go an extra hour and a half on Thursdays just to help her. And he's, he was confident. He got an A in science. I mean, he was just, he was amazing. And she adored him. And it showed because she did everything. When he didn't get it, she'd say, you know, you don't have to write it down and take the test. Just tell me. I'm going to ask you this question. What's the answer? Great. You just got 100%. Because it wasn't about, did you take the test? Did you sit down? Did you stress about it? Did you study the night before? Do you have a sharpened pencil? Is it a number two? You know, it wasn't all that, Ooh, which throws sometimes our kids over the top before it's even started, right? High stress. It's a test. Yikes. Right. And what is the intention? I want to know if he understands it. Does he know it? And he has no problem talking about it. So this was our year. He no longer needed anyone in class for the time that he was at the resource center in class, sitting with him and keeping him on track. He no longer needed to be pulled out of class to take tests. He was getting great grades Sometimes he got a couple A's in math, which just about threw me over the top because those were the ones that took three and four days to take outside of class when he was in seventh grade. And he was getting it done in the allotted time and getting great grades. He was making friends and not just friends that unfortunately up to that point were more like babysitters for him that played with him, but really weren't friends with him. He was actually making friends. The teacher saw him without me going through four or five months of multiple IEPs so that I can finally convince them that he's not lazy and he actually wants to try. And he's confident. Now, does he love school? No, let's be real. I mean, he'd rather just be on YouTube on his, you know, computer all day. But he also knows that he wants to have a life, but he is confident and he knows that he can do well when he focuses. And that's really what this has always been about. So as you look at this next year in moments and when you have to do distance learning and gap fill, I think what you're going to find with a lot of our kids is that it really works better. That they learn what they need to learn, that they get the time with you to do it. They don't have to manage being in school all day and all these different things. Um, and it may end up showing you what a better way we can do this for them. And maybe it's a bigger issue that we can take to a higher level to give these opportunities like this, like these blended homeschool programs or a blended resource center slash, you know, daycare or whatever the case may be to make it work for them. Because I think in the long run, this is what keeps them happy, confident and walking into the room, shoulders high, chest puffed out, confident in who they are, what they want to do and how they work and thrive and are successful in this world. It's toolbox time on ASD Warrior. So for your ASD toolbox around homeschooling, one of the things that I would like to, to speak about is, is kind of getting to know what is still needed really taking a look at the supports, uh, maybe trying to use this time in homeschool setting 
and see what they're capable of in a different setting. They have a more focus, they, they can anticipate sounds and sensories and all those kind of things in their home. As you set up that place for them to do their work and they get you know very structured around doing that, is try to see what supports they still need. Maybe there's different ones. Maybe there are things they don't need anymore because that's the one thing that I noticed and it all kind of happened behind the scenes without me. Um, meaning that when he went to take tests, I thought that he had been pulled out. I thought that he had extra time and then come to find out, no, they just gave him the test. So really making sure that we, we test those things. So challenge yourself, see what they still really, really need. See what, see what maybe you can start to pull away from, because what we're trying to do obviously is as much as we can is to build independence, right? to see what they can do, to build their confidence, to start to measure that success and how it moves forward, giving them more opportunities to mainstream or take on different challenges or do different activities, whatever that may be in whatever stage of development you're in, but constantly question their needs for support. If they need different ones, have they moved up to something? Do they still need this one? Are there things that can better support them? So that you're really taking a look at this homeschooling time to not only get to know your child better, yes, you're getting your PhD and your child and, and you're getting the opportunity to see sometimes more things, but to really challenge those supports that sometimes they need in the school and maybe still need. And when they don't, really take the time to look at what was different. Why is it that they don't need that anymore? What kind of things have you put in place and start taking some of those notes that you can take to the IEPs. And we don't know how things are going to change or how soon they're going to maybe go back to normal um, air quotes, but we certainly want to take the time to, to see as many things as we can and make sure that we're supporting them in the best way, but that we're also looking at opportunities to build more independence, more self-confidence and to give them much more success. So as you look at taking on some of more of the teacher role through COVID-19, think about an hour, an hour and a half broken down into 15, 20 minute segments and giving your child the time and space to be successful, to be proud and know that you can do it. It, it doesn't need to take all day. I know we all still work full time in a lot of our jobs and we're trying to figure out how we're going to do this. And believe me, it is going to be a struggle and a change, but it's certainly doable. So hang tight. Think positive and focus on your end goal. Thank you for listening to ASD Warrior. For more information and resources, please connect with us at asdwarrior.com. Subscribe and become a member of the ASD Warrior Village. Together, we can do more.